Yeah, maybe maybe we're like the the light outside. Um, yeah. outside, outside of Plato's cave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, or I mean, right, like the that hippie organic vegan restaurant in the strip of like you know burger joints. Mm-hmm. Used to remind us like we can eat other things besides burgers, and that it might be good for us to occasionally eat things that aren't burgers. Yeah, exactly. Hi. I'm Clement Liu, and welcome to the third season of Just Sustainability. Towards the end of the previous episode of Just Sustainability, Ray Burns taught us about tribal colleges and some of their strengths. At the beginning of this episode, we pick up where we left off with me asking Ray about what non-tribal colleges might learn from the example of tribal colleges and how non-tribal and tribal colleges might better partner to improve how we all serve students and communities. Given the cool things that tribal colleges do, what are some of the things that non-tribal colleges might learn from tribal colleges to be better able to serve right a broader range of students? And then I guess the the second part, which might be related, is what are what do you hope to be some of the partnerships, right? Like uh, some of the ways that because it, it's clear that like right, you think folks working together and integrating efforts uh, is a good thing. So like for example, like the University of Minnesota Morris, what how might the University of Minnesota Morris better partner with say you know tribal colleges like Leech Lake uh, to just kind of get, have all of our students serve better? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, an easy one. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's all about the easy questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think part of the issue lies in how we report what is "quote unquote" a successful <laughs> uh, interaction with a student. Okay, and I think in a lot of ways, the larger institutions, uh, because of iPads and everything like that, um, they've kind of gotten into this uh, mindset of, um, you know, we have to increase our retention rate by 2% over five years or something like that. Right. Um, you know, which is, you know, don't get me wrong. These are all that it's a good thing to think that way. But at the same time, there's a, another way of looking at it that okay. I think what tribal colleges do is it, it, they don't, well, I don't want to put it the way it's going to sound. It's not that we don't look <laughs> at the, the long-term pictures. Um, we do because we have the same um, reporting structures that uh, other colleges do. Right. Um, but, you know, our goal is, for example, our goal is for a student to graduate. If it doesn't happen within the, 125% of time that is generally considered a successful graduation. We don't care. You know, we have students who've taken six years to get their associate's degree or eight years right. to get their associate's degree. And to us, the bottom line is they got their associate's degree and now they can use that in the community. But for a lot of education, um, higher education now, that is seen as a failure. Right. Um, yeah. Because if it's not, it's all six year graduation rates, right? Five, like four, five, and six year graduation rates that people care about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think what other institutions can learn from tribal colleges is to stop 
don't make that be the goal. The goal is the student. Uh, right. You know, and if a student needs to take a year off, let the student take a year off. Um, you know, yeah, it might screw up the reporting numbers, but, you know, trying to force a student to do something that they don't want to never ends well. <laughs> or something that's um, not appropriate for like their needs, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, a student who's a third year student who suddenly decides, hey, this major is not what I want to be. That's panic <laughs> in most institutions because it's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do when the simple answer is, well, what do you want to do? And let's see what we can do. And maybe it takes them an additional year or two to graduate. But now you've got a happy student um, who will be, you know, a product who will think kindly of the institution uh, instead of a student who's been either shoehorned into completing the degree that they said they were going to complete or um, leaves the institution because they're, you know, they, 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 they don't feel comfortable making the change, you know? So I think institutions as a, as a whole just need to move away from the reporting bias um, saying everything has to conform to some sort of standard um, that set the reality. It was set, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago by, <laughs> by yeah. private schools, you know. <laughs> right. Well, and with the assumptions about who students are, right? That they're thinking mm-hmm. of students are, you know, between 18 and 22, that education is their primary job, that they're not working other jobs. Uh, right. Yeah. That the, <laughs> presuming they have certain resources that they might not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing too is tribal colleges tend to serve a different. Um, group of students than most colleges uh you know like at leech lake our average age of our students is 28 um usually a single parent um so of course their priorities are a lot different than a student who is 18 19 year olds fresh out of high school you know so we have to be flexible um because the underlying current of all tribal colleges is what we say is that life happens what do we do to help you know it's not you know you have to do this like right now during the coronavirus we are you know some students they're they're reaching the wall they're hitting the wall and we talk to them and instead of saying you have to complete this or you have to drop we can have them drop two or three classes so suddenly they're not totally wrapped up you know and doing stuff like that and does it look bad um, on our reports to the Department of Education, yeah, it does. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where you look at tribal colleges from the from the standards that we have and that the community expects of us, and yeah. we're amazingly successful institutions. But if you look at it from the standards that the Department of Education imposes on us, we're borderline, um, you know, not not doing what we should be doing. Well, I mean, and I think that's actually says something about uh, the department of education more than tribal colleges, right? Cause I, a lot of the things that tribal colleges do are necessary for right. The 28 year old student who's a single parent, but they're helpful for the 18 year old student who isn't right. Uh, sure. So like, uh, I mean, an example I always know is, is like, there's like always a great 
there's always a great deal of like childcare and like sort of family friendliness and like flexibility in terms of like family and childcare that's at tribal colleges, which you don't see as much in other universities and colleges. And, you know, that's necessary for when you have uh, students that are older or students who have like various family obligations, like being a parent. Uh, but it still would be something that's terrific for an 18 year old student who might not have as many like kind of concrete obligations because things still come up. And then having that structure there to, to help the students who need to use it all the time will benefit, right? The students who don't need it all the time, but like will occasionally need it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things that I've noticed is that ideas that work well on tribal colleges for students when they're implemented in larger institutions work just as well, if not better for the mainstream student, yeah. um, because it's that it's a level of um, support that they're not used to. And like you say, they may never use it or they might only use it once, but it's that one time that's important. Yeah. You know, it's a student about ready to drop and needs that one person to, to, to intervene and talk to them and offer alternatives. Instead of a student that drops, you have a student that, okay, maybe they're three-quarters time student or a half-time student now, but mm-hmm. they're still a student. Right, and they're uh, still making progress towards whatever it is that they you know, eventually will do. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's uh, – maybe that's one big difference I've noticed with uh, tribal colleges, right? The tribal colleges unfailingly treat people like people, right? It's, it's, it's always relationship-based. It's always – recognizing the the intrinsic sort of value of the you know the, the people that are part of the community which is not always the case for other institutions right i think you know smaller kind of traditional schools like right like morris maybe are better at it but like i remember being a student right like i'm pretty sure nobody ever knew who i was like uh i just sort of did whatever uh without anyone ever actually like paying real attention to me unless i like somehow was not compliant with policy um students right are in some sense objectified just like everybody's objectified right and commodified in a, a really sort of market-based capitalistic uh, endeavor um and I, I think that's something that other schools can learn from learn from like tribal colleges right to, to remember that they are communities with people and should relate to the people in their communities as right in the ways that you relate to neighbors and friends and relatives Exactly. And, you know, and it's, it, it's not that tough to do. It just may, it just is a, a change in mindset. Uh, and, and the other thing too, is it really is about approaching the department of education and, and just saying, you know, can we look at these and change some of them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, department of education, uh, is generally <laughs> um, <laughs> staffed with people who have education backgrounds. So right. they understand uh, these things. And so if you come to them and ask them and give them alternatives, they will work uh, right. to make it work. Uh, right. You know, so it really is about just being willing to take the risk and then make the, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it 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 is a fundamental change in the way of doing things, right. and it is it's kind of that leap of faith type thing. Right. Um, but once you do it, uh, it's amazing how students respond to it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the thing is to remember is that most people who are involved in education, right, even folks who are at the Department of Ed, uh, tend to be pretty altruistic, right? The, we do this work not because, you know, we're going to get rich or famous or like any sort of personal gain, right? Because, I mean, unless one of us is stupid and thinks that those things can happen in our head, but we do it because we want to serve, right? We actually have feel a calling to 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 work with students and to support folks. And so the problem is not maliciousness often. It's just sort of abstracting away from what we're doing and like getting kind of caught up in the, the numbers and the, the quantitative, uh, you know, assessments and forgetting that what we're in fact doing and then, you know, getting reminded helps us do the right thing. Yeah. And that becomes, how do I say it? Um, it becomes almost a distraction in a way, you know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe, uh, like, uh, getting overly, well, so, right. No, no, I think I know what you're getting at, right? Like we have a very assessment, uh, mindset in higher ed right now, right? Like it's born out of a reason, uh, a desire to be focused on having positive outcomes for students and to be informed about data in terms of, uh, pursuing those outcomes, but focusing too much on the assessment process, leads us to forget about the actual students, right? Something like that. Yeah. And, and it's like the students become the distraction rather than the cause or the, the, the reason that you're there. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and you know, the whole process is geared in how, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. I think you, you right. It, it becomes a sort of a, a tail wagging the dog, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's like, you know, you know what the answer is supposed to be. So that's, you formulate the question to respond to that rather than yeah, look at the evidence in front of you. Right. Uh, you know, and I think one of the, the issues that's always been really important about tribal colleges um, is that, you know, with the number of students we have and the funding that we, don't have um, is that we have to be really efficient and really as responsive to what's in front of us. Right. Um, you know, we can't afford to just keep coasting a few years and hoping things change um, because that's just not something that we can support. Right. I mean, I think it's also right that the uh, tribal colleges have a similar role to community colleges and that they are really sort of cognizant of place and cognizant of the folks that they're serving. Right. Uh, and by mission tend to be focused on uh, a really community based mission rather than sort of some abstract uh, scholarly academic mission. Right. Even though, you know, good scholarship and good academics happens at least at like tribal colleges that that happens in the context of serving a community. Exactly. You know, and that goes back to that understanding that tribal colleges kind of are the true community colleges in the way that they originally intended to be in that, you know, everything we do is in response to not only what the students need, but what the community needs. You know, we're not afraid to restructure an entire academic program over the course of a summer. If we realize that the student need, you know, that the community needs this and that the students would benefit from it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's not something that a lot of larger institutions um, can do or would really want to do. <laughs> because, uh, they should, yeah, 
uh, creditors don't particularly like that unless you have the data to support it. And that's one of the things that tribal colleges are learning very quickly is how to use data. Right. Um, before data was always something that we shied away from, but now we can use data to say, all right, this is the need in the community. We need to meet that need. Boom, let's do it. Um, and then we have the ability to make that, you know, those shifts on the fly um, that a lot, a lot of larger institutions just can't because of the way the structure set up. Um, you know, so it becomes really a, a fun game <laughs> to, to stay in front of the curve um, um, rather than continue to, um, you know, keep up, you know, yeah. In a lot of ways, we're trying to get ahead. Well, this, I mean, that's a mindset that I do think. I mean, it might not be the case that other institutions can be as nimble as tribal colleges, but that mindset of wanting to be ahead is a mindset that I think can be adopted, right? So, like, it strikes me that a lot of the rhetoric, well, a lot of the approach, maybe not the rhetoric so much, the approach of uh, institutions is to look at at peer institutions and to look at aspirational institutions and be like, how do we be more like them? Right. Which doesn't actually get you to be really innovative when you're just like, you know, what are other folks doing? You know, how do we keep up with those folks rather than like, you know, looking at one's own context and thinking, what's the way we can be the, you know, ahead of the curve serving uh, the, the folks that, uh, you know, our mission requires us to serve. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, it's um, to go back to an old, tired, but true staple um, food analogies. Um, yeah, those are the best. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're with a group of, uh, say, vegetarians and okay. if all the restaurants around you are, you know, uh, hamburger joints and they're all successful. You don't become a hamburger joint to serve your company, your, your clientele. Right, right, you know, right. You know, and that's the thing. You have to know your clientele to know what they want to really reach out, uh, really reach out to them. And like you say, I think some institutions get into that mindset of, well, looking over the fence and seeing what they're doing and then copying it. Right. Rather than looking in their own yard and saying, oh, why don't we do this instead? Because it's right. a much, much more um it'll be much more productive to what's in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, and I, I think that is a mindset that uh, folks can learn from. At this point of our conversation, asked Ray a sort of run question about his career and educational choices, which led to a really cool discussion about tribal colleges, their role in nation building, or perhaps more accurately, nation rebuilding, and the role of higher education in subverting and resisting settler colonialism. Um, okay, so I've been trying to figure out how to make this transition, but I think I'm just gonna like just like smash it in because we're we're uh, I've taken up a lot of your time, uh, and I, I do want to ask you about it. Um, we've talked a lot about like you know higher ed, but I think there's a lot of your work it has stuff to do with outside of higher ed too, right? It's like just thinking about decolonization or like reclamation of indigenous life ways and like knowledges and histories and cultures and just resisting settler colonialism. I want to ask you about how you think about that, right? Like uh, just knowing you personally, right? Like those are things that I think informed a lot of the stuff you did. Like I would assume 
though you never told me about it, that one of the reasons why you went to law was that you wanted to do that kind of decolonization work or, or like to, to support like tribal sovereignty, things like that. I don't know if that is the case, but I suspect that might be the case. And so I just kind of want to ask you how you think about that. Uh, you're right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's one of the, the understated and unstated missions of tribal colleges. Is they're also nation building. Right. Um, they're supporting the the ability for, uh, and I won't even say nation rebuilding. Um, it's supporting the ability for tribal nations to rebuild yeah. to the point where they were before, where they had the ability to be self-sustaining, self-determining, um, and have a, a level of self-governance. Um, you know, and I think it, it it's really important to keep that framework in mind, you know, when you're looking at, you know, I mentioned earlier community needs, mm-hmm. uh, what, what are the needs of a growing nation to reestablish itself? And how can tribal colleges do that? Um, how do you get out of that colonial mindset and look back into indigenous uh mindset Um, how do you do that productively and you know in a way that allows you to continue to work within the colonial that settler colonialism yeah but at the same time express your own indigeneity um in a way that provides that uh context and validity to to build your own space you know and it's it's tough. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, it's an interesting answer that you give, right? Because it makes me think of like right, the small liberal arts colleges on the East Coast, right? Like they were created by the East Coast elites uh, to educate the children to be the next level, of, uh, to be the next generation of East Coast elites, right? There was a, definitely a nation building sort of idea guiding them, right? Like what does it take for us to, you know, to continue to like maintain power? Uh, you're saying something that's, that the mission is somewhat similar. And so, but like in the not maintaining the status quo, but like challenging the status quo, right? Like it's this idea of how do we educate our students so that they are able to, to take those leadership roles, not to maintain right. uh, uh, Dominance or maintain uh, sort of historical power, but to reclaim uh, power, reclaim autonomy, uh, that's been taken away through a process of settler colonialism. Yeah. It, you know, it, I, I think you've, you've stated it perfectly. It is that reclamation and a recognition that the reason that it's being done is not to supplant, mm-hmm. but to supplement what's in place. Um, and I think that's always been one of the bigger issues that some people have with this kind of um, thinking is that it, it, it's a it's a zero sum. It's right. If not this, then this. Instead of no, you can have both. You can interact together. You can do these things. You can have multiple. You know right. the the difference between melting pot and uh, salad bowl. Yeah. Um, you can you know a salad bowl works great. You have all these different pieces and different textures and flavors all working together to form this really nice dish. Don't, you know, 
you know, you don't put tomatoes in there to take away from the lettuce. You put it to complement the lettuce and vice versa. And I think that's where that's where a lot of change needs to happen is just that understanding that it's not, it's not, this isn't a race and, you know, there aren't winners or losers. Well, there's always losers, but there aren't winners. <laughs> right. You know, everyone wins or everyone loses. I mean, that's the thing in this race. Yeah. Um, but everyone's so used to that one winner that you know they don't they don't see that there's other alternatives, and that's really what the this is like way back when education as as a subversive activity, right? Um, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, tribal colleges are that embodiment of that. We exist to really cause people, education as a whole, to rethink what education is about. Yeah. Um, that's not the reason we're there. I mean, you know, we have our own mission and vision, but our the existence that we choose to define ourselves by, you know, is almost in direct opposition to what settler colonium says we should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, our existence and our continued success is kind of that saying, well, maybe there is a different way and there's a way of doing it where we're not in opposition to, we're in conjunction with. In a way, we're, our existence is just kind of like a thorn in the side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you have the choice of either accepting the fact that we're here and taking the thorn out and dealing with it or ignoring us and then we'll just keep being that thorn in the side. and. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I think some of the institutions at our tribal colleges are able to compete at every level with any institution in the country. You know, not, you know, not saying that this, like the smaller uh, tribal colleges can't compete. It's just that we don't have the same resources. But some of the tribal colleges now have some of the same resources and they're able to compete, you know, with other institutions. To wrap up our conversation, ask Ray whether there was anything he wanted to talk about that I didn't bring up. Here's what he said in response. I think one of the things I would love to bring up is that if anyone who's listening to this podcast is ever in the neighborhood of a travel college, stop by and visit. Yeah. Um, see what we're like. Um, it, 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 the door is always, well, Right now, the door isn't always open, but <laughs> in but sometime, general, again, yeah. yeah, hopefully soon. But you know, uh, spring break is kind of telling us that soon may not be as soon as we'd like. Yeah. Um, the door's open. Um, come and stop, visit us, uh, talk to us, talk to students, um, get to know us. Uh, you know, I think the biggest issue that tribal colleges have had to deal with is that we are always seen as the other mm -hmm. rather than a part of, and we need more people to see us as that part of, um, and just come and visit and talk to us and get to know us, come see our events. Um, you know, for institutions that are very small, we have an enormous amount of events that happen, you know, two or three times a week, uh, for students and for community. Um, you know, we're, it's really about getting to know us um, because that, like I said, the doors open um, because we want we want to be that um, bridge between mainstream and non-mainstream, or you know, the way things are to the way things could be. 
uh, you know, or just that, just some, just that, that open door for someone, you know, to walk through, yeah. you know, and all too often for students and small institutions, underfunded institutions, it seems like we're the ones that are expected to reach out and bring people in while at the same time, we're trying to establish our own identity and space um, for ourselves. So we kind of have two missions and sometimes it takes a bridge gets built best from both sides. So sometimes come over and see us and visit us and talk to us. Um, and I guarantee you that uh, we'll remember you. Um, and, you know, if something comes up down the road, that's important. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll remember you and bring you, you know, and say, Hey, do you remember when you came in and visited? We're having this now. Would you like to come see it? That sort of thing. Um, you know, we, we're, we are a community um, within our institutions. And once you're part of that community, you're always part of that community. I've noticed that uh, a lot of uh, tribal colleges have terrific extension programs, right? That uh, they're much more active in the communities than other colleges. And I think for a, particularly a lot of uh, younger faculty, uh, there's a desire to be more engaged in community-based sort of activities. And so there seems to be great opportunities for partnerships and collaborations there. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, one of, one of the things that we use our extension programs for is that these are for the opportunities that we can't um, fit into our curricula, our regular programs, but they're just too good not to do. Yeah. Um, and they're also community-based programs that really need to be uh, that that are just part of the community that need to be done. Um, you know, so that's why our extension programs are so robust is that they respond to community needs that we as an institution that um, must be accredited can't yet. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I would say almost every tribal colleges has had a program that was in their extension program that is now an academic program. Mm -hmm. It just needed to be developed and extension is a great place to do that. But also there are activities and programs and extension that we know will never get accredited, will never be um, offered that way. So, um, but they're important. So let's mm -hmm. do it, you know, and, and it's a great opportunity to learn a different side of things. One of the things I, I, I don't want to say hate, but I, I'm always not happy with is when I go, I see extension classes and I see the same group of people taking extension classes. And it's like, you know, half the people already know what they're teaching in extension, but they just want to put their hand in and, you know, keep up the work. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a, so many other people in the community who would just love to do this sort of thing. Um, if they would just, you know, if they knew we were here and then knew that the opportunity existed, you know, I would love to see extension programs um, like for us at Leech Lake working in Bemidji, um, you know, which, you know, I, I don't want to steal students from Bemidji State University, but I absolutely want to see students from Bemidji State University. Um, if we can, you know, they become more successful when they leave us. 
um, you know, uh, in institutions of higher education for their third and fourth year. So that's a good thing. Yeah. But at the same time, there are whole avenues that we can explore for students that they may never realize are out there. Mm-hmm. Not just students, but community members. Um, you know, so like you say, extension, our extension programs um, are extremely robust and mm-hmm. take advantage of them. Take a look at what's what's being offered. Throughout the previous couple of episodes, we've learned a ton from Ray Burns about tribal colleges, what we might all learn from them, and how those of us from non-tribal colleges may better partner with tribal colleges to serve students and communities. Please join me in the next episode of Adjust Sustainability, where I'll introduce you to Julia Gibson. Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening.